Welcome to the Lemon Spark Podcast, where we share stories about lemons that spark a new direction in life. I'm your host, Barbara Zabala. Well, welcome, Marisa Perhays to the Lemon Spark podcast. I am so glad that you are here to tell us your jaw-dropping story. You were just giving me a preview of what your story is about, and I think our listeners will be equally shocked uh, and disturbed. But there is a happy ending, of course, because this is the Lemon Spark podcast. So let me introduce you to Marisa. She is a foster mom of kittens. And we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail. Also in a retired New York City sergeant, police sergeant, and she's a mother of five. And in those five are triplets. So she is what we would call a type A personality, because not only is she juggling all of that, also maintains a spotless environment and is very organized. And so I'm in awe, actually, of everything I've heard about you, Marisa. So welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's really um, fun. Barbara, I appreciate it. Tell us about that fateful night in December, many years ago, and how that sparked your role today. Okay, well, we were talking a little bit earlier, I had a I had to really think about what story to tell because I have about a thousand of them. But um, as far as like trauma and recovery, and this was two days after Christmas in 2015. My triplets were 15 at the time. Um, I was in bed with my oldest daughter who was visiting for the, for the holidays. And um, it was about midnight. And one of my sons came in my room and woke me up, one of my triplets, and told me that his brother had taken three hits of LSD at a friend's house and ran out of the house into the dark. I really was sound asleep and just was like, what, what, what? You know, I knew where he was. I knew the kid's house. And so I just grabbed my house keys. I was in my Christmas cat matchy pajamas and no shoes and just grabbed my son, told him to bring his phone. I had my keys, no purse. We ran out into the car and you know, and it was a very, I know the neighborhood, and it's a very dark neighborhood off the main street. And I, in my, in my head, the worst thing that could have happened was that he was wandering around somewhere, just completely out of his mind on acid, on three hits of acid, which I couldn't even imagine what that would be like. Um, so when we got down the side street, and, you know, and my other son that was in the car with me was calling his phone to see if we could get in touch with him. When we turned down the street, I saw six police cars lined up three and three on each side of the street with their lights on. And I was just like, Oh, my God, because I just, I didn't that wasn't one of the scenarios I thought of. And um, I parked behind like the last car opened the door and I could hear my son screaming help. So I ran up to where the police were all standing. There were like three of them standing around three or four laughing and talking. And then my son was in a ditch face down. Uh, handcuffed behind him with four police officers standing on him and he was being tasered. And every time he screamed for help, he was being kicked. He was kicked in the head several times. And I I just, this was what I saw. And I was screamed, oh my God. I said, oh my God, that is my son. I said, please, that's my son. He's high. Just let me help you calm him down. And a police officer turned and yelled at me and put his arms out. And he said, you know, I hope you don't mind I curse, but he said, you know, get the fuck back. 
very loudly. And I said, oh my God, I was crying. I said, please, I'm a retired New York City police sergeant. Just let me help you calm him down. Because at this point, my son is screaming for help. He's not, he's restrained. There's cops on top. He's no danger. He's just hysterical. And they were like, get back. So I got back to where my car was, where my other son was. And I was, I was crying and I was just like, oh my God, what happened? What happened? And there was a female police officer standing there and I asked her what happened. And she told me that he, my son had ran into somebody's house yelling that he was going to kill his grandmother, then ran back out into the street. And those people called 911. And then the first police officer was this woman and she found him in the street sitting on the ground crying. And uh, she approached him and she said, are you okay? Are you okay? And he said, no. And, and this is what she said to me. She said, well, then I tried to cuff him. And when I cuffed him, he threw his hand and ran. So now he's running with one cuff on and he's hit this female police officer. And uh, then the cavalry came. And when they came, they, they really, I mean, you're talking, you know, seven, eight grown men and a 15 year old boy. And they just beat the crap out of him beat him, kicked him, tasered him. And uh, I could just, while she's talking to me, I couldn't just hear him screaming, help, help me, mom. So I said, oh my God. I said, where is the ambulance? And cause I'm a, I did 20 years in one of the worst precincts in New York city. You have somebody in that condition, you're just calling, you, you, you know, restrain them, contain them, call an ambulance. So, and I'm thinking like, where is this ambulance? And why is it taking so long? And so this, the, the cop that had yelled at me to get out of the way, he came over and he was very tall. And he said, you know, you've been told to shut the F up. So I don't care who you are. You need to shut up. And I looked up at him and I said, oh, my God. I said, who's in charge here? And he said, I am. And I said, you are. I said, you should be, you know, showing me some compassion rather than cursing at me. And he said, oh, yeah, well, this is how we do it in Florida. And he grabbed me by the back of my head, slammed my forehead on the back of the police car and cuffed me as if I was fighting, which I wasn't. And my other son is standing right there screaming, oh, my God, what are you doing to my mother? And then they put me in the back of a police car. And, and that was it. I was done. And my son is still screaming murder. He's screaming, help me, mom, help me. And I'm just sitting in the back of that police car. And luckily for me, I had you know, already started going to Al-Anon, which is a, a recovery program for people who uh, are bothered by someone else's behavior, really. I think they just get you in there. And once you're in there, you realize that it's, you need to work on you. And uh, I was, you know, I'm an adult child of a drug addict. Uh, I was in a very chaotic home, lots of alcoholism in my, my childhood. So I was, grew up with this, the personality of so many people in Al-Anon of a control freak. Luckily, I had a year of that under me. And what Alan had taught me, one of the many, many tools was a serenity prayer. And I sat in the back of that car and said the serenity prayer over and over again in my head. You know, God grant me the serenity, accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And the only thing you can change is yourself. And I sat there and said that and got myself to breathe because otherwise I would have the top of my head would have popped off and I would have kicked my feet through the police window because I was so enraged by what I had seen and what had happened to me. It was so angry that I had to figure out how to, to not, that that was not going to be helpful. That was going to do nothing. You yeah. know, I couldn't get control of myself. So I did that. I and, can't imagine. I just have to say, I can't imagine as a mother myself, and this is just the day after mother's day, mm -hmm. that we're talking 
what it must have been like if you could still hear your son screaming and you're completely helpless and can't even. Right. right. And I thought about, and you know, if his dad had showed up there first, he would have jumped, he would have been in, arrested, you know, as a man, he would have totally went crazy, you know, not to be a sexist, but I just know that he, he would have totally reacted to what he was seeing where I had a little bit more restraint self-control you know I had restraint you know and I just really was able to talk myself off that cliff and and, and calm my brain down so that I didn't go crazy I, I I watched my son get carried out of that ditch unconscious he was going to the hospital I didn't know if he was dead or alive and I was going to jail for eight hours you know and so you know I just really literally prayed the entire time and I you know we've, I'm not a person I grew up with no religion no god nothing no spirituality no higher power uh, Al-Anon taught me that, you know, to have a higher power, that I'm not alone, you know, and uh, to give up that false sense that I have any control over anything other than myself, which I, you know, I was one of those women who used to, I would jump in front of the bus so the bus wouldn't hit my son, rather than letting him learn the consequences of when you run in front of a bus. That mm -hmm. type of, you know, when you stop people from dealing with, you know, a consequence, you're not giving them the dignity to, to, to learn or to grow, you know, and again, that's what I was doing. I was there to save the day, you know, and, uh, and, you know, I got out of the jail, I went right to the hospital, my son was there, he was handcuffed to the bed, he was being charged, he was 15, he's being charged with four felony assault counts against police. It was just awful you know and i ended up getting a charge with obstruction of justice uh, even though i did absolutely nothing and i had to keep telling myself that's not important what was important was getting a good lawyer for my son and getting my son out of trouble because he was besides being a stupid teenager and taking that much acid he's super genius he's brilliant and his life hadn't even begun yet and now he's going to have felonies you know if you're convicted of a felony that's the first question they ask you for anything have you ever been convicted of a felony? His life would have been ruined. So I had to put my stuff on the side and just get my help my son, you know, uh, with his court case. And we had to focus on that. So I got arrested for obstruction. I got sent to community service. Right after I that happened, I went right to the police headquarters and filed a complaint and uh, against what had happened to me. I filed a complaint. I asked for all the paperwork, all the 911 tapes, the names of every police officer that was at the scene. I even went back to the scene, found stuff, drew a diagram like I was going to do this gigantic investigation. And then uh, all the complaint paperwork that I had asked for all disappeared. And, uh, and then when that happened, I realized that I was just going to hurt my son if I had followed through with this complaint. You know, they were going to make sure that he had a problem. And uh, so I just sucked it up and I did my 20 hours of community service and did it at the humane society. At first I was really angry, you know, because I was like, I shouldn't be here. I didn't do anything. And then I just thought about how wonderful it was, how lucky I was to spend time with these little puppies and little kittens. And I was like, got to literally lied on the floor of this cell with a huge dog and her nine little puppies. And I was lying on there going, Oh my God, this is so wonderful. And everything else disappeared. Anything else that was happening didn't matter at that moment. I was able to be so present and enjoy that. And then from the time that I worked there, I ended up becoming a foster mom for kittens, for newborn kittens. And I have had over 170 kittens. And it's something I never would have thought of doing if this didn't put me here, you know, if this like nightmare didn't put me here. In the end, you know, my son was found guilty of one charge 
his case was expunged like it never existed because he'd never been in trouble before or after and he's got a full scholarship to a wonderful college and he's great and one of the things i was said to barbara was that he's got absolutely no memory of what happened although he does have he has scars and he says, well, mom, I have no memory of it. And I said, well, that's okay. Cause I'm scarred for life. So you can just ask me anything. I can give you every detail of what happened that day, you yeah. know? And now we've recorded it so he can listen. <laughs> on the <limit>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So I guess the moral of the story is that even then in your darkest moments, when you think the world is completely crashing down on you and even the ones you love yeah. that, it can be okay. Yes. It may take some yes. time, but yes. it can be okay. It's, it's not going to be forever that way. Sounds Things like I say all the time to my children because they, you know, I've learned, I've been in Al-Anon now for, you know, five years. I'm really, I was a speaker. I led a lot of meetings. I, I just gained so much as far as changing my brain and being able to just see a situation, not react to a situation, think about it before responding, praying, which is, can be anything, you know, staring out the window at a flower. Or, but what I really learned was that to be completely present because it's all you have is this minute. It's all I have is this minute right now with you. This is all that's happening. And that nothing ever stays the same, you know? So when you, you can have a bad day, cause that's life and you have a good day. And one of the things I learned was that when you're having a good day, a new laugh, embrace it because it's not going to stay that way. Mm -hmm. So enjoy those good moments because they don't stay and bad stuff happens too, but that doesn't stay either. You know what I mean? So I've really learned a journey and teaching my kids all the things I've learned and apologizing to my kids for the mistakes I've made while I was thinking I was loving them when I was actually enabling them by not allowing them to have consequences only because of the way I was, I had, a, I didn't have a childhood. So my children were going to have the best childhood in the whole world. Right. And I also realized that there's no such thing as the good housekeeping police. They're never coming. <laughs> I don't have to have my towels alphabetized because they're never coming. <laughs> that was a good thing to learn too. <laughs> yeah. Time saver right there. <laughs> not that important, you know, it's just not that important. You know, those things that I, I always thought were so important. They weren't. It's, it's the moment right now. That's what's important. And even after that thing with my son, I have a wonderful relationship with my children. And we're very open and talk about everything and laugh a lot. I'm separated from their husband. We're divorced. It's been five years, but we're very good friends. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we spend time together and my kids see that. And it's really a lot better to be happy friendship than miserable marriage. You know, when it comes to parents and kids, I think that's a real good thing for them to see as well. You know, another thing that make the best out of it. Yeah. We're divorced, but we don't, doesn't mean we can't be friends. So that's like another, so many moments in life that you can turn them around to make them, there's a good thing. There's a good lesson in everything. Yeah. There's something, oh, there's a, and I always say, when something bad is happening, I say, what is the good that's going to come out of yeah. this? Because I know something is, I just yeah. want to know what it is now, you know? Right. Yeah. You have to have some patience, but yes. yeah. Yep. There, there is something around the corner. You just yeah. don't know how you just far. Have to have faith. You have yes. to have faith that it is going to be okay because it's up to you. It is. It's up to your attitude and how you're going to face the day. That's it. You know, and I think that's a really important lesson. It can be okay, mm -hmm. but it, 
it really depends on you if it's yeah. going to be okay. Well, you have to make a choice. You make a decision. Am I getting up today? Am I going to get up? Am I going to make my bed? Am I going to exercise? Am I going to do what's good for me? Or am I going to sit and be miserable about the situation that's happening? Because the situation is still going to be happening whether or not you take care of yourself. You know, so my sponsor used to say to me when a crisis is happening, she goes, what would you be doing if this was crisis wasn't happening? Oh, I'm going to get up and do what the things that I'm supposed to be doing for myself. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't stop. That's what's a good thing to put your phone away when you're somewhere, because just because you have your phone doesn't mean what's going to happen is not going to happen because you have your phone, you know? So I learned to like not bring it with me when I took a walk because I want to enjoy the moment of the walk. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't matter what was happening on my phone because I'm walking right now. Yeah. You have to learn these things to, to enjoy, you know, for peace, peace of mind. Yeah. Peace of mind, serenity, which I never even knew that word existed. I didn't know what serenity was. Now I do. Yeah. And you can find it even in the most. You know exactly how to find it. Yep. Yeah. Deep breaths and prayer. Well, those are some great coping mechanisms for those of us who might be going through our own lemons right now. And thank you for sharing that story. And the spark, of course, was uh, (laughs) the whole ordeal with your son led you to this new love for fostering kittens. And now kittens have, you know, an advocate that they didn't have before. So that's so awesome. So uh, you wrote a book back in uh, a quite how long ago but when i was blue is the name of the book when i was blue and um it's on amazon it's really mostly about my police career a little bit of my childhood i had a tumultuous career as well i sued the police department for sexual harassment i was on the the department when there was very few women so there was a lot and i was on you know i was there with men who were 20 years older than me who had been in vietnam and I'm this 22-year-old kid with these 42-year-old. They were a different era of police officers. It was interesting. And I loved, I loved my job. It was just, you know, having to deal with, learn how to work with people, you know, who I thought were just disgusting to women. And uh, a lot of the politics in the department were hard to deal with. But my job itself, I loved. And I miss that. I don't think I'd miss it now. <laughs> it's a different time. Yes. You know, I retired almost 20 years ago. But uh so yeah, it's when I was blue. And, By uh, Marisa Perhays. And yep. we'll um put that in the the notes for the podcast so people okay, can great. the link if they're interested in reading your book and learning more about you. That's Any nice. other ways they can connect with you? Are you on social media? I'm not really in nothing. I'm on Facebook and what and my book when I was blue has a Facebook page as well. Okay. I can be so, t- get in touch with on uh, my Facebook page. Yeah. So if you're interested in joining the When I Was Blue or following the When I Was Blue web um, Facebook page, that's probably another good way to stay in touch. Well, thank you so much, Marisa, for your time today and for your sharing your story. Again, I just was shaking my head the whole time when I was listening to that whole ordeal. I can't imagine all the anger that you must have been feeling and your ability to compartmentalize and, and control it like you did. That's really to be commended. So thank you, well, thank <laughs> you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You know, You're and I listen, I'll listen to you. I, now that Nancy told me about your podcast, I've been listening. So, oh, thank you. All right. Well, 
tune in every week. We try to get these up once a week. I look forward to uh, having uh, people listen to your story. So thank you again, Marisa. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you for listening to the Lemon Spark Podcast. If you have a Lemon Spark story to share or know someone who does, please message us on Facebook and be sure to like our page. And remember, it's not the lemon that defines you, it's the spark.